Hello, and welcome to the Home for Anime, Collector's Edition, a four-episode podcast series where I, Cameron Allison, take a look at different aspects of anime collecting, including archiving, materialism, platform ideologies, and fan studies. In today's episode, I'll be sitting down with Andrew, a fan of anime, at least I'm assuming so. Andrew, you're a fan of anime, correct? Yeah, I would I would say I am. Yeah. So, to you, what does it mean to be an anime fan? That's a good question because often at least growing up when people would ask uh, cuz you know anime isn't as popular wasn't as popular as it is now. Right. So there was a lot more uh misconceptions about what it was so you know one common thing which has become more of a joke now but people would say oh you mean like cartoons japanese cartoons and the way that i see anime nowadays it's uh it's a particular style of storytelling individual medium and uh one that's had a pretty substantial effect on my life i would say i'm glad that you said that i I found this introduction to fan studies, which of course is what we're talking about today from the Oxford Bibliographies page. And it says here that fan studies is a field of scholarly research focused on media fans and fan cultures. Fans might be broadly defined as individuals who maintain a passionate connection to popular media, assert their identity through their engagement with and mastery over its contents, and experience social affiliation around shared tastes and preferences. Fan cultures are the social and cultural infrastructures that support fan activities and interests. And from what you've just told me, it sounds like you fit very well into someone who could be considered a fan. For sure, for sure. Which actually leads me into my next question. So you're familiar with the website My Anime List or MAL. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, my anime list is a website that can be used to track anime that you are currently watching, anime that you have watched, anime that you plan to watch, and it's very effective. So that way, you might you might have gone through a show or a movie that you think maybe I have seen this before, maybe I haven't. Well, you have the documentation right there. Or if you're currently watching something and you don't know if you've watched an episode or not, well, you have the documentation right there. So, Andrew, what's your count up to? Because, you know, it has the total episodes that you've watched. It has total hours mm-hmm. watched and all the different series. So how, what are you up to now? As it currently stands, and I need it. Uh, catch up and include some other stats because this is a nice little like uh, quarterly thing I like to do where I update it uh, not super regularly but at least like three or four times a year but as it stands now I have watched over 3,600 episodes of anime I have uh, about 60 entries and the way that the website calculates the total hours it um goes up to days it, it marks it by days and as it stands i have watched 59.8 days worth of anime episodes okay which is a lot but um several hours yes yes so 
So now, what does this website mean in relation to your fandom and anime? Um, honestly, not too much. It's more so just like a personal tracker for myself. Um, it's it's fun. It's a little fun activity to do just to like reflect on what I've seen and it gives me a chance to think about the shows that I've watched and what they've meant to me and just you know how have I changed how have my thoughts changed from when I finished a series and from the moment that I record my experience after it sat with me and meditated for a while but as an actual website I, I know it's like uh, it's not perfect it yeah. only reflects some a portion of anime fans more than anything i think a lot of english excuse to a lot more english um speaking fans and countries uh, i'm not too keen on the details but you know this is a snippet of just the anime community but it also does include a lot of um, information how it archives its data but yeah to me personally it's just kind of a fun little thing to do i don't take conversations on there seriously like any social media or like any kind of uh, online communities, communal space, you know, there's certain things I just stray away from. So you don't feel like this legitimizes you as an anime fan having those 3,600 plus episodes on your mouth? Well, that's a good question because um, I just recently started it, like about a little over a year ago is when I first uh, set up the account mm -hmm. and from then like it was pretty shocking to see just how much I've watched and uh, sat through uh, my whole, whole whole life up to this point but like I, I knew I was a fan beforehand and this just kind of shows me that <laughs> or it kind of confirms and affirms that um, it's, it's some anime has cemented itself as an important uh, pillar in my life and it's so surreal to have it broken down into days. It's yeah, like, I want to know how they calculate that because, like, uh, how do they know to def uh, like? How do they? How does the website know the difference between an anime episode that's like twenty to thirty minutes, as opposed to something that's, you know, relatively shorter? Because there are some anime that um that are a lot shorter on time. Like, uh, no, there's one. Um, I can mention animator on this, right? I can name yes, drop. Of course. Okay, cool. So, like, um, a friend showed me, I think it was called Helvetica Standard, and it's like a small little sketch show. Yeah. And those episodes are pretty short, too. So, I don't know how the website calculates the difference between that episode's length as opposed to other episodes' length. But I think it's there because it we compared ours beforehand, and um, you and I are pretty close. Yes. But still feels like there's a just a wide enough margin between our uh, total anime hours. It's, it's, and it's so surreal because of how, how old you are. So you have the 50 plus days out of 20, oh 24 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though. Cause every time I come back to it, I'm also recalling like older series that I haven't included. So, uh, for instance, one that I want to put down uh, here are some old Gundam series that I used to watch as a as a kid. Oh, sick. which I just yeah, which I, I completely forgot about until like I started looking through some of these like popular series. You know, Gundam's huge 
huge anime. Oh yeah. So going through the, like um, some of the more popular uh, anime list and like uh, titles, like I come across things I'm like, oh, I haven't thought about that in years. Let me go ahead and put that down. Although usually I'll try to refrain from scoring because obviously it's, there's a difference between little Andrew watching it as opposed to quote unquote mature Andrew watching it now. <laughs> so, you know. Well, Andrew, what is the difference between the physical archive at your house and the digital archive that you have with Mal and by physical archive, I mean the Blu-rays and the DVDs. And I, I know that you collect yeah, figures and, and whatnot. Yeah. So, but mainly the Blu-rays and the DVDs. Yeah. So, well, I think with physical copies, it's more of a, of the constantly aching itch of mine that I'll have. Um, and it offers, you know, a little bit of retail therapy goes a long way in the short burst. So my blue Ray collection and some of my other collectibles and whatnot. Um, yeah, I treat them a little bit like decorations, but the blue rays, of course I do like organize and uh, take out and watch from time to time. Um, and it's really awesome uh, when it comes to like family and friends that are interested in anime, and, you know, nowadays like people are constantly asking about it now because it's just such a popular thing and such much more profitable now. And it's really cool lending people Blu-rays and just having conversations about this stuff. Although for me personally, I, I get a lot of joy out of um, having uh, this media in a physical form. So it's I'm a lot more ready to share it with my family specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I'm slowly starting to collect a lot more of the One Piece movies, and I've been watching. And every time a new uh, One Piece Blu-ray comes to my uh, through through an order, I watch it with my little sister, and we always have a grand time with it. And from time to time, we usually rewatch them, and it's always great. Yeah, and again, the so the difference between the physical archive at your house and the digital archive that you have with Mal, it's from from what I'm gathering, it's a lot more personal, the physical archive. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Like I'm spending money on this. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> oh, Mal's free. This is different than just you know, sharing recommendations like, hey, check out my Mal. I've looked at this. This is what I think mm-hmm. of it. Instead it's, it's that- I, I have this and I want to share it because yeah. it's, it's mine and I want other people to enjoy it. Yeah, and it's like, for me, it's also different spaces. Like I said earlier, I'm like, Mal is something fun to put some time into yeah. and catalog and archive things that I've watched. But like, I stray away from some of the more communal aspects of it because, right. um, you know, I've been around the internet long enough. I know sometimes these spaces get toxic. a bit toxic. Yeah, especially... Mal, but like when it comes to like my physical copy, physical archives, like I'm way, way more excited to share that and actually have conversations around it, right? Mm-hmm. The communal aspect within the physical collection of mine is a lot more prominent and um, enjoyable. That's honestly a big reason why I collect too. I mean, the collectibles and figures are for me, myself personally, um, but also like sometimes I'll get some for friends and family. But, like, it's the Blu-rays that are really more of a communal aspect. Yes. That is awesome. So how many DVDs and Blu-rays are in your collection? 
in my collection i have almost 20 and usually and i want to collect more and i have more pre-ordered and this is something the blu-rays themselves i've started collecting or i started my collection about uh almost two years ago and a big factor of that of course is like you know income and everything and right now i'm in a pretty graceful period where you know indulging in some of these purchases isn't as uh, dire, you know. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah. I have about 20. I know I have a few more lying around the house, but um, my my own, they're, they're about 20. Yeah, because I also just collect other film and media as well, too. So, I have movies that aren't anime. But out of all my Blu-rays, anime, movies, and anime shows, are they, they take up the majority of the space. And do you prefer DVDs or Blu-rays? I'm fine with either. I guess I prefer uh, a copy that has DVD and Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Usually, you'll you'll get those, but I, I get Blu-rays never go wrong. Um, a lot of Blu-rays that I get specifically, um, I make sure. And you know, you and I talk about this too that they're uh, handled with care, right? And not fumbled. Yeah. Right. Speaking of which, and this is this is just a little fun tidbit. I know one of your favorite anime is Skate the Infinity. Yeah. And Aniplex actually just announced that they are going to do a pre-order for that. Did you did you hear about that? Did you already pre-order? I think you might have sent me something. I don't we haven't talked about it in person, but yeah, I'm definitely going to pre-order that one too. Um that's an amazing that's an amazing fun show and I really like it it's incredible because it's through Aniplex of America so it's going to be over a hundred dollars yeah which actually if you're interested in that that brings me to my next question which we've kind of gone over but I was hoping you could go into a bit more detail what makes you collect the readiness is one part um, but to go a little bit further I think it's due to some kind of human urge to collect things. Cause you know, I talk to other people who um, inquire about, you know, why I collect anything, not just like anime oriented um, collectibles or media, but like they'll, they'll, we'll just talk about like vinyls or things like that nature. And even though someone doesn't understand why I collect, anime-oriented items, they understand that urge to collect. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how to um, how to summon up, aside from, yeah, part of it is an urge. Um, but also, I think that with the streaming age, um, it's really hard to know what will and what won't preserve. Right. Uh, um, to, to, to briefly turn this conversation to video games a lot of old video games are um saved from obscurity and erasure by a lot of fans um taking the time to make sure to like save and archive these video games and usually have some form to share it for free and when it comes to anime like you know when anime was first coming and becoming a a thing in the united states there's a lot of fan dubs a lot of fans that are really taking it into their hands to like 
um, translate and to share this Japanese media here in the States. So if something, if a show or an anime is really important to me, I typically go for it because you never know <laughs> when something will be chosen to not preserve. Like a lot of this is business oriented and it sucks that the only small control I have is uh, being forced to spend a lot of money on something that I really enjoy. But, you know, if something means that much to me, I'll do it. Yeah. And then, of course, there's that rare case of wanting to watch something and it not being available anywhere. 100%, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because now there's conversations about, you know, how to what what's the, what's the ethical way of consuming anime that doesn't have a easily accessible way of viewing and you know the part of it is like the business is structured in a way where it kind of forces some people to feel like it's their only option they don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on a old copy or one that's like overpriced or one that's like translated by so, like fans so yeah hopefully the practice will the practice of archiving this for uh, for historical sake will be more open and accepted because that'll be nice. But, um, yeah. And with that, the next question I would like to ask because I've, I've, your eloquence is going to be very necessary here. What about anime is so special to you that you decide to stick with the genre? In fact... How long have you been into anime? Well, you know, Dragon Ball was the earliest anime that I can recall watching somewhat regularly when I was growing up in California. Um, how do I explain this? Okay, so there's one side of this, because it's something that I've thought about a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and art and all, just like, what, what about art speak to us? What is about the art to create art that uh, forces us to persist and to like work on our own talents as storytellers? And, um, you know, I, I have an experience of growing up as a child of two undocumented uh, people. So I'm in this weird spot where I've never truly felt connected with my um, Mexican heritage and I've always had this weird feeling that I've never really been accepted living here as a citizen of the United States, right? And this is something that I, I, I see and listen to, to from a lot of like uh, marginalized people who talk about like anime as this like something that's introduced to them as like this completely different mode of storytelling that sometimes when you first introduce it, it feels a little bit alien to like uh, more Western ideas of like how storytelling goes and like who the people that we focus on in storytelling. And a lot of the anime that I watch, um, they're often a huge focus on someone that's often otherized or driven to the margins of society. Right. So for example, one piece is one of my favorite animes of all time. And also, the one that stuck with me the longest I've been at this point reading and watching for 17 years, which is crazy to think that this anime has lasted longer than some of my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like in that story, a lot of it's about liberating 
going it, it follows the adventures of this pirate crew that goes from island to island liberating people from whether oppressive governments or uh, organizations is keeping people down like it tackles themes of like colonialization um, oppression genocide the orchestration of knowledge a revisionist history just so many things and that's that's something you get uh common within like anime it's like you know you you try to focus on the people who are often seen as or misunderstood in a way that's um revealing right but you know that's that's based that's i think an argument that's people would assume is largely based on like the contents of the story in anime when real in realization i feel like a big appeal of anime is the stylization right when I think when we talk about stylization and art, we often think of it as like a very decorative uh, aspect to the work. But like anime is huge. Like I think there's a good conversation to have here about how important uh, stylization is within a piece of work, if not the most core aspect that overtakes content within like a piece of art, right? Because um, within anime, like you you don't really i mean it's more common now but like back then when i was younger like i've never really seen or watched anything quite like anime before right it's it a lot of the great anime that i'd like take um understand their strengths and really put a lot of force into like its visuals and plays with them like satoshi kon is one of my favorite movie directors and the things that he's done with like his animated movies or things that stuck with me for Will probably actually stick with me for the rest of my life, right? I know there's a lot of Western filmmakers. David Lynch is the first that comes into to mind that you deal with like dream logic and kind of giving you a sense of how the human experience works through dreaming. And his moves are great. I, I still need to watch a few more. But like Satoshi Kon, going back to him, I feel like has been an amazing director that really understands how to communicate that aspect of the human experience through his animated works. So, yeah, I, I think often that my love of anime has its stems from the fact that it's really stylized like nothing else. Right? And it's awesome because we're in a period where it's ramping up. We're getting, we're, we're receiving a lot of uh, generic, uh, easy cash grab, pieces of art too but like you know that that's expected that's yeah. expected and it just makes the important stuff hit harder yeah especially because this spring 2022 anime season i don't know if you read it yet but we are getting i think 30 plus english dubs for over wow yeah for and there's that's like 45 awesome. shows that are airing this season that's and we awesome. are getting 30 at least 30 english dubs yeah that's another thing like um that's with the populated anime like it's being localized a lot more professionally which is always awesome um but yeah and one thing about them providing english dubs that means that a lot of these shows are going to be put out on blu-ray now so with that being said, I know that this is the first season that Crunchyroll and Funimation have, you know, merged onto the same platform. So Crunchyroll is actually handling dubs now. But do you foresee your collection growing even more as a result of 
the Funimation Crunchyroll merger, or really just in general as an anime fan. I mean, in general, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna try to preserve and collect the things that really have spoken to me and shared as much as I can. So yeah, yeah, I, I, of course I see my collection growing. <laughs> as for the merger, I mean, <laughs> um, who knows? Who knows what'll come out of that? Hopefully, uh, things. There'll be a more professional strive in preserving and giving a lot of love and care to uh, the future anime that's to come. But, you know, if, if if our experiences with, say, something like Disney, which is another colossal industry leader, soaking up a lot of other businesses and buying out things, you know, this might also have a negative effect of locking things up. But, you know, there is a big push to create more and more dubs of anime, so... Honestly, at this point, I'm not really sure. I expect a few things, a, a few several mishaps and um, bad choices down the line. But oh, definitely. For the meantime, I, I I I hope it continues and becomes a positive. My next question is very loaded. I'm just going to preface with that. Yeah. So, this scholar, he was the first to come up with this idea that media fans are active audiences and manipulators of meaning. So what I want to ask you is, what does it mean to be an active anime fan? And what does it mean to you to be a manipulator of or arbitrate meaning in anime work? And do you agree with that phrase? Oh, that is loaded. Um, I think when it comes to something that you really appreciate and love, you're always going to have a place to speak in, uh, in the larger community. And I think this is etching towards more of like the ethical behaviors towards uh, the anime community and like what does your consumption of anime because you know as, as much as we talk about like how great of an effect a lot of anime have has on our lives uh there's always the end of like you know the what is the cost to produce these things and um you know nowadays it's a lot more profitable so the industry is going to get a lot harsher i think i think when it comes to um, future production uh could you elaborate a bit more on uh, the quote a bit or repeat it because um it yes. is a so bit, yeah he said that he viewed media fans as active audiences and manipulators of meaning okay so what i got from that was they are active participants in what it is that they are researching not researching what they're consuming and it it seems like and this is just something that i've observed in my time in the anime community people get from anime what it is that they want to get from it yeah but i am not entirely sure if if i'm reading too much into that so i i guess what i'm asking is is that something that as an anime fan you could attest to that we do have uh, a responsibility 
not so much a responsibility, but just the fact that we manipulate the meaning in an anime work, any of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's what interpretation is a lot of cases. Um, interpretation about what it means to you, but also like and old reviews and the response to an animated work. Um, you know, sometimes things... And this is something that I bring up because it's something that happens pretty constantly, but like, especially within, uh, since like you mentioned, dubs are becoming more prominent and uh, anime are being localized at a higher rate. Um, some of the voice actors that work on some of these things do get harassed online. Like it's, this is a constant issue and it sucks to see because like most of the time people are just doing the job for the money. Like it's, 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 it's a job. Sorry, not to phrase or platform that is like a fault on the actor's end but you know people do get harassed for the work that they do right even if something like really minuscule so when it comes to manipulators of meaning i think uh anime often offers a sort of fantasy too that um we often see in other media just like in a different approach um for example you know superhero the superhero genre uh, offers a power fantasy in a lot of ways. Something like Batman offers a sort of... Well, you see different interpretations, but like I think of Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, who has a very, in my view, conservative power fantasy within what Batman is doing and the power that he controls and just you know some of the more ethical questions that that book raises unintentionally. <laughs> unintentionally. But when it comes to anime, like we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves the same questions of like, okay, what am I taking from this work? Um, are my actions really justified? Am I viewing myself as um, so, someone that's helping the community grow and like really reflect on itself or not? And how much power do I actually have? How much say do I actually control? Because I feel like the word manipulator is the very key like word in that quote because it's kind of implies a negative connotation to it in relation to some of the fans but then again like manipulator as a way of control right but yeah really in control that's the thing yeah and so you, you brought up an interesting point about harassing vas and that is exactly what kind of plays into what yeah. one aspect of manipulating meaning could be because yeah. you you know uh Mirko from My Hero Academia, the uh the African American bunny yeah. hero. Yeah. So there's Are you talking about the English voice yeah, actor? Yeah, the, the English the English oh. voice actor got so much black yeah. for for sounding white when in reality Aniris Quinones is a black woman. Yeah, and, and she she's to, fantastic. She too. is awesome, and she had to deal with that for a a long time. Yeah, and I follow her on Twitter, so there's a point where, um, you know, she she really tried trying to grow some communication and trying to uh, be a part of the community, and it was really fun for a while because you know she you could tell that she had a lot of affection for this character and this role that she has you know voice actors don't have to do that like they can take a role and you know keep things private but you know she was trying to make an effort of like 
being a part of the community and expressing her gratitude and showing just how much enjoyment she could get out of this. And it was met with a lot of love, but also a lot of hate. And unfortunately, a lot of that hate deafens everything and it sucks. Yeah. Because she didn't deserve that. None of these people deserve it. None of these actors deserve it. Right. Not at all. So like that, that's just one aspect of the manipulating meaning. And then of course, if we're staying on Mirko, there's the fact that there are people who bash Anairis for being a black woman who sounds quote unquote white. But then there's the other half of the internet who just wants to sleep with Mirko, which is another way of manipulating meaning because you know yeah so that's what i was saying with the 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 power fantasy aspect of this like whenever we do relate to this like in this scenario we're talking about you know pre-localization going through like uh japan's like uh the, the sub of the anime you know if something doesn't fit our relation to what it is that we're consuming taking a part in like sometimes it can boil up feelings people didn't know were there and i think that's something important to take note of because that's often what leads to a lot of these hateful behaviors right a lot of this isn't logical it's behavioral like it's a response and a lot of times i think it's a response in the person's head right and then some of these spaces that we're talking about like mal like it really feeds into some of these toxic behaviors like you, you mentioned how um, some fans will bomb an anime if it's like scoring super high and super well. Yeah. I think it's like the Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, yes. Yeah. So like that's that's just one example, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like people take these things really personally. There's actually we were talking about Satoshi Kon earlier, and there's this one scene in. Um, in this short series, Paranoia Agent, where this is one character who um, I think illustrates this relationship pretty well. It's only like, he's only shown like a few times throughout the show, like probably like a handful of like a minute of screen time in total. This is like a background character who, I forget his occupation, but in the room he's in, it's a very closed in room, it's very dark, and he has like shelves around him, like cornering him to one part of his room that's just filled with like anime figures. And at the end of his, like, his final appearance, when, you know, the shows is really ramping up to, like, showing and taking away, like, the divisions between the personal and the the the, the media that we relate to and identify with. Like, he's making a figure of himself at the end. Hmm. And he's super ecstatic, right? He's super ecstatic. He's also, like, uh, portrayed and drawn in a very unflattering way. You know, he's a overweight not a lot of attractive facial features and all that so there's definitely a stereotype with within anime fans but you know there's a point to be made there about like you know how do we relate to this anime like is it healthy is the way that we consume it healthy like that's the first question you gotta ask mm-hmm. so with that being said do you find your fandom to be a safe space the anime fandom no in a general sense no <laughs> um i have to find that's what i'm telling you like mal is fun um but like i'm not trying to grow my profile i'm not trying to advertise myself um like that's what i'm telling you like my physical collections has a lot more meaning to me because i can give it to the people i care about in my life right yeah 
and I have, and I gained a lot of satisfaction from just talking about it with my friends. Like you and I have awesome conversations. Yeah. That's very fulfilling. And, um, you know, when I talk to someone like you, I feel comfortable. Like I can say things and talk about feelings that were elicited from some of these shows that I'm not really, even if I'm not really sure how to like, uh, <laughs> articulate, I just like, Hey, this made me feel a certain way. I don't know what that way is, but it's made me feel different. Like we were talking about fruits basket. Yeah. Not that long ago. And I said something to the effect of, yeah, I haven't felt the same after finishing that. And it's true. It's true. <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. I do have one more question and it's on a much, much lighter note. Awesome. Awesome. So, What's on your spring 2022 watch list and are you attending any conventions this year? I'll start off with the conventions because that's probably what I'm most excited for because I feel like I'm I feel like I'm finally being handed a torch that I feel like a lot of anime fans at some point partake in and so I'm finally going to my first convention. Next month, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, I know with quarantine and the pandemic, it's been kind of rough. And this is something I've wanted to do before, but you know, this is the first time I've ever felt like somewhat safe to go out because I have a group I'm gonna stick with. Um, yeah. and mainly, uh, have fun with. Um, as for my spring <laughs> list, um, yeah, I'm constantly going back and thinking about things that I should have watched beforehand. I feel like uh, the thing with like the anime industry, there's just so many things to watch. And yeah. sometimes I forget and sometimes I can't always watch everything. So it's always good to have like an anchor of a series to like go through once a day. Uh, so usually like I'll watch something with my sister. But yeah, there's a few things this spring um, that I'm really looking forward to. So Spy Family is probably the one I'm most excited for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Great animation studio handling it. So a lot of promise there. Uh, Kaguya, Love is War, Season 3. He told me just came out a few days ago, the first episode. I'm probably going to watch that tonight. Yes. Um, Dang, what else? What else is out there, actually? Those are two biggest ones. I know you mentioned uh, Shikamori is not a cutie. Uh, oh yeah, Shaggy Murray's not just a cutie. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and I put that on my list. And then, oh, like, I'm also gonna go back and <laughs> watch some things that um, I've been meaning to for a while. So I know you, 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 you mentioned that I should watch uh, the Wandering Witch, Elena. Yes, I have a whole podcast episode about it. <laughs> yeah. And that's one I've been meaning to go back to. Um, wonderful visuals, beautiful. I like how they portray magic. Yeah, very Studio, fun. Studio C two C did a great job with that show hopefully we get a season two because mm -hmm. the source material is there yeah <laughs> all right all right well that wraps up everything i have and andrew i just want to say thank you so much for coming on of this, course of course honestly the best way that i could have hoped to finish this project you are such a phenomenal person and i've really i've had fun this entire semester and you've actually been a big help in making this project come together so having you at the end just seemed very fitting and oh yeah, man thank you can make me tear up of course man no problem and with that this has been the fourth and final episode of the home for anime collector's edition 
I have been your host, Cameron Allison, and thank you for listening.